Hi, I'm Afton. And I'm Anna. And this is Grit, a podcast on the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Join us in reclaiming what it means to be girls raised in the South. Mm-hmm. So let's get gritty. <laughs> Twist, yeah, that would be let's uh, okay, great. Oh, so third time's the charm. We had some, we had some technical difficulties, so this is the third time we were recording the intro. So we're delirium is slowly setting in. Yeah, let's uh, make this quick. <laughs> let's, let's wrap this up. Okay, so Anna, updates. I haven't seen you in a while, two weeks ago. I know. <laughs> I, I feel like I have to schedule my time with you. I told you, if you're running a phone bank. You, I will, I will gladly, yeah. even Anna, my, my best friend from home, uh, joined a phone bank on Tuesday to call for state ledge candidates. And she said, that's the only time I ever get to see you. I'm like, well, it's, oh, well, less than 35 days out from the election. So here we are. You know, for our memoir, I mean, have you, do you have a every two week friendship? Like two week friendship? Kind of like, it, it could be like a, a, I used to have Mary Kate, a, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movie, two week friendship. Yeah, like you see each other. It every really two weeks. is like the working women's like new <laughs> new take on friendship. This is like our a, a, a Google um, calendar. This is our brunch. <laughs> this is our brunch. Late at night, post work, um, where we get to meet up and just chat for the whole world to hear. But I used to have a wine night um, with one girl I cheered with in college every single week on Thursday. And it was, like, the best night ever, and I really looked forward to it because it was, like, such decompression. We would always drink. We would split a bottle of wine, and we would go get food at this, like, late night um, thing. Every like, week? Like, yeah, every single Thursday, yeah. Okay, so this is your an, an, an iteration of the one-week friendship you had. Yeah, it has to be spaced out a little bit more because there's a few more, a few more things to do <laughs> in a week than in college. But I like that. I like scheduling it to where you're like consistent this is probably the most consistently we've seen each other yeah big shout out to tennessee holler for our accountability partner <laughs> thanks for strengthening our friendship it's great <laughs> oh my god that's, yeah that's actually what that's actually what i happened. mean we've always been close friends no but. that's hilarious yeah no that's really funny um so what have you been up to had some people visiting as i've told you in the last two recordings of this intro <laughs> Uh, which was a little bit different, but we were celebrating what would have been our second wedding. <laughs> um, that was when we postponed it back in April when we were still thinking, we we're dazed and confused, like, okay, what's going on? When, you, when, when, when there was a open. shred of hope. Like, it's a shred of this hope. This summer, that'll give it, like, a few months to die down. Like, it'll be done by July. By September, everyone will be flying again. It'll all be good. And we looked on it in horror as the numbers got worse in July and made the decision to um, reschedule it. Again. I was really looking forward to your COVID party packs. Yeah, we were going to have, would have had like shields, a little... face masks, gloves, freeze-dried meals. Instead of goo-goo clusters at the hotel, it would have been a, a face shield and some, some very nice scented uh, lavender hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been... A little bit lame for like what we wanted it to be and like what we were contractually obligated to have. <laughs> we'll just say that, <laughs> you know, an indoor wedding with a venue that can fill like you know three hundred fifty people. I think or fit three hundred fifty people. I, it just wasn't going to be the same. 
with only the people who were either the people who were closest to us, who love us the most, mixed with the people who just weren't caring about COVID. <laughs> that didn't oh, seem like a good recipe for a wedding. Like all the people mm. who really cared wouldn't come. I didn't even think about that. So they would self-select into a Mm -hmm. group that would attend a wedding. And so probably the people who are being the most risky already would be the ones that would come to the wedding. It's kind of my mentality about it. But I really just want to have the wedding that I want to have. I mean, we've been together six years. But you really postponed it because I haven't chosen the my dress. Exactly. Yes. It is totally about you. It is. (laughs) I kind of knew I knew that and I knew that you know, the whole getting into shape thing. If anyone has a recommendation for a personal trainer, I am all for it at this point. We're getting down into desperate times. So a, a few things weren't in, in place to have the fairy tale wedding um, that I've waited for. So we're going to have Well, I haven't seen all, any of the pineapple uh, wedding napkins. So <laughs> yeah, I haven't told everyone. It is actually pineapple themed because of this podcast. BYOP, bring your own pineapple. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. Wow. And you've also recently learned something new about pineapples in Tennessee. So as someone who wears a neon pineapple mask in public almost every day, I was shocked to find out that pineapples, even in the Nashville area, symbolize your openness to like swinging in a relationship. Who? Okay, wait. I need to take like twenty steps back. I'm not gonna put anyone on blast of who told me this, but apparently in like Brentwood Franklin area, that putting a pineapple on your I need someone to confirm this. Putting a pineapple on your front porch sig- signals that you might be open to having someone else in your relationship or open to a hookup. And like putting a pineapple <laughs> in your cart while you're in the grocery store is like a symbol that you're open. So you're telling me. The trophy wives in Williamson County are stocking up on pineapples as an indicator of their willingness to swing. Well, this is not firsthand from someone who does this. So I really do need (laughs) people to let me know if this is what you do. But I was actually embarrassed. I have a pineapple keychain, thanks to Afton, and I have a pineapple mask, thanks thanks to my mom. So I was starting to really question my life choices. And I have a pineapple cookie jar on my counter. This because I because I give them to you. Because <laughs> it's a symbol of our pineapple. friendship as well as hospitality all across the South. Exactly. That's what I thought. So my innocence was taken from me and when you know I what? heard this. From but it's like a perfect signal. Yeah. Because I'm it's mutually universally accepted across the South. And I so especially you. Welcome into my home. I will entertain you. Wow. A signal of a Southern geisha. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So let us know. We'll do a poll. (laughs) Pull pull the griddle crowd. Um, Yeah. If you hear of the pineapple as a signal for swinging, let us know. We want to have you on the pod. (laughs) Well, not. Yeah. Maybe. We just need some confirmation if we need to like. I'm not changing Be the signal. Be careful about our use of the pineapple. That's on them. That's not on us. Yeah, they co-opted. Someone... <gasps> Speaking of, Chris and I watched the best documentary. Are you familiar with Pepe the Frog? Yeah. Okay. Pepe the Frog, famous meme, started mm-hmm. out as a cartoon about a postgraduate. It was like a, a squad, a, post, a postgrad squad of boys, but shaped as obviously amphibians. 
<laughs> and the alt-right co-opted Pepe the Frog. And the documentary is about, uh, about the, um, the bastardization of Pepe the Frog into the revolution and the reckoning and Pepe the Frog re- and the, re- the reclaiming of Pepe the Frog. That's like the most um, you and Chris documentary. Like, <laughs> we you love would think it. that was like very I fun. Was, <laughs> I was captivated because really it's a commentary on the dark web of the internet yeah. and how and how folks from 4chan and the dark web are now Trump like became politicized through Trump and radicalized through the Trump era. It's it's a, it's a whole vibe, and I really mm-hmm. need folks mm-hmm. if you're interested in documentaries. It's called Feel, Feels Good Man. That was the the comment that Pepe the Frog made in the original cartoon of this, and and the, the what's what's e- even more ironic and hilarious is that the cartoonist of Pepe the Frog is some like granola mm-hmm. peace loving, and that's the reason he never put a patent on it. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Yeah, I heard that he was like not happy with obviously what it turned into. No, but and he's would be, and he's but, lawyered yeah. up. Like good for yeah. you, granola cartoonist in California. Lawyer up, boy. Like. Get your Pepe can, the Frog back. I can vaguely remember Pepe when it was, like, not quite totally all right yet. And well, now it's, all of a sudden it, like... Yeah. <laughs> and now they're trying to take it back. So, anyways, yeah. it's it's a whole vibe. And I highly recommend the documentary. It was it was fascinating. It won a uh, Cannes Film Festival award. Wow. So how's work going? It's good. Just busy. Working from home still for the foreseeable future. So that's different. But you're in that boat. I'm ready for you to be my coworker. We can... Our, I'm sorry. A, Wait. A, um, um, because last episode, you were not willing for me to move in and be your... I'm starting to get, like, so antsy. We should get a co-working like, space. Yeah, like... With, like, a bougie co-working space like that we once, work downtown. Once a week or something. Like, once what? a week. Like, what? go no. once a week. No, I'm not... <laughs> Wait, what? No. I like to do... I like to be at home most of the time, and then sometimes I just get, like, so antsy. I'm going to ask my organization if they'll pay for a co-working space once a week. <laughs> Is that an option? Can you get a day pass? Day <laughs> I can hear a cat scratching. It's like my life. Everyone, we, Anna and I are surrounded by tabbies that want our attention. So sorry if you can hear Winston or Toby scratching at the door. <laughs> it's just a vibe. Okay, how are you? How's everything I've going? had a very busy, 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 busy week. Um, sure. So today, just in the snapshot of Afton's life, uh, I ran over to Anna's after a call. I run the rural program for my organization, um, which is, it's an amazing, it, uh, I just, our, the, the rural activists in this country that are progressive are on the front lines of fighting some of the most terrifying shit you could possibly imagine. Um, but Biden's national rural director was on our call tonight and talked about Biden's rural plan for bringing rural broadband to America, uh, which was funny because he kept breaking up. And so it was, and, and so I kept I turned the conversation around. I said, well, uh, here we are, the poster boy for what rural broadband is right now in the States and what it could be. So, and think about all the kids. In oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, I mean, horrible. there there are anecdotes of children in rural Tennessee going to McDonald's and they're having study groups, the mm-hmm. local McDonald's, because that's the only place that they can acquire Wi-Fi. I mean, it's it's horrific in this country. Ugh. But, um, and then another really exciting conversation I had today was with the national organization interested in investing in primaries, which, you know, are my bread and butter following the Kita saga. It was a moment where I realized that the past four years of organizing will eventually pay off and people are noticing. So, 
Um, we have a lot of white men in positions, in congressional positions in the House of Representatives that don't represent their district in terms of the demographic. Uh, and so basically they pitched, if you can find people of color and and people of color agree to, to run as progressives, that they'll win these districts in 2022. And I just, I felt, I even, I'm sure like, I, I <laughs> The, the person I talked to, I have her, I have her cell phone. And so I texted her, you know, and I've emailed her and I'm like, it was really the nugget of hope that I needed to move on. And like, because, you know, especially in the South, as you know, Anna, which is, you know, why we're, we have this podcast one is that, you know, you're, you're taught never to talk about sex, politics, or religion. And on this pod, we talk about all three. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's hard to be in progressive politics in the South because oftentimes you feel like a pariah. I mean, you really do. Yeah. And so this just, it felt so affirming to have national folks saying, we notice you, like we noticed, mm-hmm. you know, the work in Keaton's race and we noticed the work and <sighs> it's been a good day. It's good been a good day. Wait, it's going to be a good day. <laughs> and all my home is going to ride today. And all my, all my, all my. Yep. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you're in good spirits, better than than you've been in previous election really? seasons. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I had a nervous breakdown in 2018. Right. That's mainly what I was alluding to. <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to uh, point didn't it out. Say it but... <laughs> no, I've I've come to terms. I've come to terms with it. Uh, for those of you listening, I had a nervous breakdown in 2018 inside Milan Stadium during a volunteer football game, where I had national staff from my organization that flew down. Uh, and I had to be carried out. And then my mom and my best friend, Anna, took away my phone for 48 hours because I refused to stop working. So, yeah, <laughs> I've come a long way. <laughs> it's a good, it's almost like at this point, it, it's, you have to let go of some of it. I feel like I'm, I, and your work matters and you're doing good things. But it's also like I've, I've found seeds. balance. Like I've yeah. literally, I've, I've been able to laugh. Like it's very scary. And I've, I've come to terms with Trump possibly winning again. And I feel at ease because one is I have a fantastic support network, but two, it's like, I'm in the right place at the right time. Like I'm working with all the right people. We are, we are, you know, we're planning for scenarios. We're trying to figure out. And we are proactively working on these issues. And so I feel really good about the state of things. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I challenge all of you who are listening as someone, Anna and I are both in politics, me, you know, at a deeper level and I'm, and I'm okay. I'm okay. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. It's a good space to be in because it's crazy enough. Like what, what's happening now with like pandemic economic crisis the election, just the total polarization. I've never seen anything like what I saw like on the internet last night, really, honestly. Ooh. That was so interesting to me. And uh, last night was the first presidential debate because this will come out a little bit later. But I can keep a distance from it because I'm like, I know I'm making an impact on what I'm doing in my life and that's all I can control and I can't control that other stuff and I'm not going to change anyone's mind. Honestly, I know there's some politics that involves changing people's minds but I'm not going to change anyone's mind I just am at you don't feel like you're changing minds at your job with the people I do think that I can educate about policy but I don't think that I can change someone's total worldview like someone has mm. to have some type of morality that's already like leaning them towards that way and then more information can make them 
make stronger decisions, can make them take action to to contact a legislator or to advocate for a policy, but they already have to have something in their worldview or in their life. And that doesn't even necessarily mean that they're a certain political party. They just, there already has to be something there before I'm there to make them care about kids and families and people accessing healthcare. And, you know, I, I do think that, that pointing out the need or pointing out a policy that's affecting people negatively can work. I mean, obviously what's working against us now is like that everything has become hyper partisan Mm. and that feeling one way about a mask or something like that, like wouldn't historically have been like every choice that you make almost now seems to have some type of political connotation to it. And I mean, maybe it's always been that way, but I haven't felt it the way that I have, like where you shop, what you do, how you act, like who you're around now. I mean, because of COVID, like everything that you do has some type of like political leaning attached to it, which is crazy to me. But I I just, am, I am much more, I guess, okay with the fact that I'm making marginal, I have marginal influence and that's okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I still feel like I'm a value add to like the space, the, you know, whatever, the town square of like America. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm adding, like my message is good and I'm really happy with what I'm saying. But at the same time, you have to understand that like being angry on Facebook or it, it can be an outlet for you, but you're not going to like change anyone's mind. So I will yeah. say I feel, I feel heartened this week I had an exchange with someone who's helping me with my cardboard Mitch videos um, whose mother is a white woman who voted for Trump and in her circle are people who are speaking caring loudly about the Breonna Taylor case and my friend recognized that her mom has made a total, you know, has, has totally transitioned from a Trump supporter to understanding. But but the I think the the prerequisite is a willingness to want a willingness to listen mm-hmm. and hear folks out and know that you're not this, you know, you're not the smartest person in the room mm-hmm. and that listening will really, really change your mind. And so I think especially since what was it? Fifty two percent of white women voted for Trump it was reaffirming this week that I I heard this anecdote of this, you know, white woman who voted for Trump. And I thought, okay, like if we can, you know, and I'm not saying that obviously white women are going to change the election, but like if we can move some of them over and that's why I feel, you know, I, I, you know, yes, my, the white women that I deal with sometimes can be very aggravating and upsetting in ways that like, you know, they're just on their, their transition journey but I know that people can change and I, and I've seen, and I've seen, and I've seen the progressive transition and trajectory of some of, you know, the people that I work very closely, closely with. Um, and so I do feel, you know, you know, I have, I've come to terms with Trump winning, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's my baseline is Trump wins. And what does the next four years look like? But I appreciate hearing and learning about people who have changed their minds or that, people have become so political that they are mobilizing people within their internal networks Mm -hmm. of folks to be voting 
Yeah. And I, I guess my cynicism is more protective of my own space and my own, like, being okay with myself and what I'm doing. It's more so to protect me from that. Like, I think that's beautiful that people can take stories and take examples and change their mind. And I do think, like, white women will be the most dynamic group between 2016 and 2020. I think they're going to move the most. Mm. Um, Just because I've – just recent polling, I've seen, like, white men are steady for Trump. So – and white women are a little bit – especially, like, suburban women. Or college-educated white women. College-educated white women. Yeah, it's probably not going to change that much Um, overall. But, like – there definitely is a shift, um, and I think, you know, we're doing the work in that space, hopefully, um, but it, it's hard to to bank your success or your feeling of accomplishment in your job on policy wins or electoral wins or anything like that because it is what it is. You know, it's, it, it's hard, like, when you, when you value your professional worth on that Mm. because you can you can provide value by planting seeds and by seeing things come to fruition years later that that have happened and there's sometimes external things like George Floyd's murder like and Breonna Taylor's murder that are just so powerful and so impactful that another wonky call or another another conference call or another day of action or another like thing in the silo on Facebook or whatever like you've been doing that work for years Mm. but then like something like that can be like see this is someone's life like someone's lived experience is sometimes so much more powerful than words on a screen and I hate that it takes external things like that but like it needs to be in people's faces, and it's right. not always in people's faces. That's right. That's it. And we're trying every single day to put it in people's faces, right. but it's not always as powerful as it could be. Um, and I will say, I was I was pleasantly surprised tonight during my rural call because because Indivisible's demographic, my organization's demographic is mostly white women, and <laughs> they were in the chat box asking the most aggressive questions towards Biden's role director I've ever seen. And it was, it was just so funny to me because it's like, they've moved, you know, they've moved from being, you know, you know, placating or like acquiescent towards, you know, people in these types of positions. And they're like, what is Biden going to do about, you know, raping farmers? And I was like, Oh my God. And it's like, wow. You know, like here, here are people who are really standing their ground and, you know, and yes, like we have to elect Joe Biden because the, the other option is fascism and authoritarianism. But to see these white women move left is like very empowering. And I just hope that I'm, you know, I'll be, obviously interested in the exit polls post-November to see how many white women voted for Biden versus Trump. But, you know, I think these anecdotes especially are, for me, reassuring that the work that at least I've done and you have done the past four years are is worthwhile. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of women. Oh my God. Yeah. So we've heard, so we've heard from a lot of you that, uh, you need the SCOTUS rundown from Anna and I, which we appreciate that we are your biweekly political updates. (laughs) 
I'm like Anna and I wish we are on Twitter all the time and we're reading news. Um, you know, I understand that a lot of you have lives outside of politics. So we are happy to be that SCOTUS. Good, good for you, honestly. Yeah, honestly, yeah, well done. Well played. And good for us for not setting ourselves up to where we have to keep up with some, like, keep up with the news cycle and have to release stuff all the time. <laughs> <laughs> this is called over-promising, under-delivering. You've heard it first, you've heard it first, folks. Uh, Grits will never be a uh, responsive uh, a pivot and uh, response organization. This is called commentary. <laughs> yeah, commentary on what's happening. So, Anna, give us the rundown of SCOTUS, and then oh I gosh, will, yeah. Big ask. Well, you're the so, policy wonk. long story short, Mitch McConnell has, well, bef- even pre- pre-Trump, um, was was basically trying to stall everything that Obama wanted to do, right? He wanted Obama to be a one-term president. He wanted him not to appoint any judges. And it got to eight months before um, Obama was out of office and uh, Antonin Scalia passed away. And a seat opened up eight months before Obama was out of office. Let's thank you for that. thank you for yeah. Let's thank you for that. reiterating that. Yeah. And he held the seat open for the next um, for the next president to come in. So that would have either been Hillary Clinton or Trump at that time. Which, God, you know, the Democrats we like to play by the rules. You know, they're like, oh, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to rock the boat. We're not going to go out, you know, guns a-blazing. And look what happened. I'll let you continue. Or you continue. Because you're a woman. Go ahead. <laughs> well, in. and also, like, Mitch McConnell did have a lot of power in that situation. And he used his power. He held open so many. The um, the amount of judges that Trump has. I say Trump. I mean, Trump really doesn't have that much to do with it. Amount of judges that have been appointed in Trump's presidency is almost exclusively because Mitch McConnell was holding open seats. So this is his project. The courts are his project. And this actually, I think, was a big factor in... I'll take that back. I don't think it was a big factor in the 2016 election, but I think it was some factor in people rationalizing their support of the Republican Party. 100%. Despite who 100%. Nominee was. And McConnell, yeah. what's really interesting is that, especially when I traveled to Kentucky... He's built this very diverse, this very diverse coalition of voters, which includes the evangelicals, because his promise is that he'll pack the courts. Yeah. And he has delivered. And they and they say, you know, the populists weren't super into Trump's tax plan or anything like that. Like they were on board probably more so with like the racism stuff. I don't know. I'm just I'm just making conjectures here. But then the evangelicals and the suburban women and just the run of the mill Republicans were like tax code and the courts and just a conservative philosophy or like ah, I don't like him that much personally don't wish he would get off Twitter wish he would not talk that way whatever not going to not go to the tanning bed <laughs> yeah so the courts were super important anyway despite many promises from many individuals including Mitch McConnell himself but also Senator Alexander and Lindsey Graham and Chuck Grassley and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. They all promised that if a similar situation happened with Trump in office with an election coming up, that, you know, of course they would wait until the so elected So I'm just going to stop you right there. I want to say this out loud for everyone on the call. So what you're hearing Anna say is that all of these senators went on record saying that they would never – Go go forward with a Supreme Court justice vote 
if there was an imminent election. Yeah, and this is all to defend <laughs> their their lockout of Merrick Garland back in back in 2016. So, they, mark my words, you can hold this against me. It was just blustery. It was like so over the top, like all of them, like so just, performative. And then and then they come out now, and of course, like honestly, I was not surprised at all. Like, almost at all. Well, because we've also dealt with, when I worked at your organization, you know, all these Republicans posturing to do the right thing, and then mm-hmm. they they don't. No, no, of course not. Like, of course we're protecting pre-existing conditions. And it's like, you're literally actively <laughs> trying to, like, the the case right now, oh, we can talk about the case in a, in a second. But, so, unfortunately, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed R. I. P. away. R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. R.G.B. And herself. Wait, you, Ruth Gader Ginsburg. Oh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yep. Mm-hmm. Got it. How Thank dare you, you? Thank you, Anna. Okay. Our beloved passed away after a long, full life of changing the entire trajectory. So many things for, in our but, daily but, life. But, but for women, not for, for class. Women. She Sorry. was not a class warrior. She was a gender warrior. Yes. We would not have our own bank accounts. We would not. Truly. I mean. And what I think is really interesting about her story is that, do you know how she was radicalized? Mm-hmm. By living in Sweden and working in the court oh, system yes, in yes, Sweden. Oh, yes, I heard that on that yes. podcast. Yeah, yes. sorry. Probably the same one. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, um. By living abroad and seeing how socially democratic countries mm-hmm. execute their legal world. Yeah, because she was not even, like, a very... No, she wasn't. No, she wasn't. type person. She was very, like, by the book and, like, keeping up with the conventions of the time. And anyway, so she passed away, had said at the end of her life that she did not want her seat filled until the next election. And, of course, we're 35 days. 35 days. Is that what you said? It's something like something that. Like that. Something we're like very that. close to the election. And they have announced a nominee um, a woman who they had said during the Kavanaugh time that they were holding for um, when RBG passed, which, you know, okay. Um, and so they've announced the nominee. I mean, we can talk about the, nom- the nominee. Like, there's obviously a lot of commentary out there about her her history and how she's going to make decisions and how young she is and all that kind of stuff. But I really, like, what I'm focused on mostly is the hypocrisy and of the political maneuvering of the Republican Party? Yes, and yes, but also like the way this is going down is just almost like out of like a movie or like a TV. You know, like it seems like it's off of like Veep or something. Like it seems like <laughs> it's just a caricature of politics. Like it's actually getting to the point where it's like, oh, but of course they are. and and I've heard the analogy that it's like it's like sports. Or it's like war. Like, I've heard both of those analogies. It's like, it doesn't even matter what they said. Because if you really think what's at stake is at stake, like, to the extent that it is, that you would just do whatever you could for your side to win. But that's the but that's what the Republicans are doing. It's not and about the Democrats democracy. are like, oh, we're gonna play by the rules and take the moral high ground. It's like, no, you've got to play politics. You have to play dirty because Mitch McConnell is relentless. Yeah. Yeah. And at at this point, like, I'm not an expert on like, what can be, what can be done. So if you want to add anything about that. Well, here's, so here's, so here's the problem with the South is that 
and Anna can back this up because we've been fighting these advocacy battles. We, in this, in, in most Southern states, we have Republican super majorities in the state legislature. And so we have seen a, a rotating buffet of terrible bills that have been passed, including banning abortion, uh, turning uh, uh, landlords into ICE agents. Um, what are some other things? Criminalizing voter registration. So if you try to register voters, you you receive criminalizing you, protesting, criminalizing pro- running over protests to make it legal. And the way the South has won these advocacy battles has been through the federal district courts. And so, so let me give you an example. Um, 48, the, the abortion ban. So a ban on abortion is federally unconstitutional. And so when our Tennessee governor, so when it passes through the legislature, it goes through the House, it goes through the state Senate, and then our governor signs it into law, immediately Planned Parenthood and ACLU lawyers file an injunction within the federal district courts, and that's how we win these battles. And so, but what happens, what happens, and and it will happen, is that the Republicans will take the Supreme Court. So right now there's a 5-4 majority with, um, who's the Chief Justice? Stevens. John Roberts. Roberts, sorry. Um, and so right now it's pretty, it it can be balanced. And so I think, you know, Roberts as my director of democracy at my organization would say is not a liberal hero, um, because he has ruled terribly on, you know, poor pro corporate, uh, rulings, but what, what were some of the rulings this year that he ruled on? So he has ended up in his, in his leadership role. He has actually sided a little bit more with the liberals um, on identity, but on identity bills, like on, on identity rulings, like it was immigrants yeah, like the, um, and the discrimination, the discrimination bill of anti LGBTQ. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he more so is just trying to not make a lot of waves. Like he's not trying to be a activist judge. So oftentimes because when the court, the, because court, the court wants to perceive the court wants its public the public opinion of the court they want it to be perceived as nonpartisan as, as objective and 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 so he's walking a fine line because he's actually an incredibly conservative justice but in terms because, of like corporate ruling and yeah yes, but then yeah. they added on um, Gorsuch and and Kavanaugh and so he is trying to be kind of a intermediary and he's trying to make the best decision, you know, so I, I don't know the full legal history of every decision that he's made, but I know that he tries to, he's the swing vote now, essentially, which is crazy to think about because like he t- historically has been very conservative. Um, and so that's not, that's not a good sign for if you add another conservative person, then you're just assuring that. So instead of five, four, it'll now be six, three. The Supreme Court fight, it's, it's, I mean, it's, we're going to lose it. At this moment in time, I, I would just say from a national perspective, the federal advocacy battle, one, is trying to, it is ensuring that senators who are up for re-election this year go on record saying they wouldn't approve a nominee because of this precedent that they didn't, <laughs> that they went on record saying that they would never approve a nominee before an imminent election. Um so the goal right now is to try to to ensure, you know, people like Susan Collins, who's up for re-election in Maine. Um, Accountability for what they for what they've said and what they. Right. I mean, and even like there's been some that have disappointed, like Mitt Romney, for example, like 
he's not up for re-election. Right? And people think he's just... like this Republican, you know, and it's like, it's su- it's such a romantic, like the liberal romanization. When Susan Collin and Mitt Romney are your like heroes, then you have something to think Thank about. Thank you, Anna. Think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. It's good. It, I mean, I think they should. But it's I, like, I'm pro kudos. If someone, like politicians When respond, they do the right thing. When they do the right thing. Politicians respond to that. So sure, give them kudos for like, give Mitt Romney kudos for impeachment. Like, Let's do it. I don't like. I don't. I have kudos to spare. Like it's fine, but they have to be held to account for their decisions, electorally, but also just like rhetorically. Like we're paying attention. Like we're active, engaged people. We're paying attention to what you said you were going to do and this decision, and ultimately knowing what their decision to confirm the nominee means. Not only are they going back on their word, but they're making a decision. The, the reversal of. That is Roe not for Wade. the people. It's not for the people. It's not what people support. People don't want the ACA to be struck down. Well, and it I, will be. And talk a little bit about that. With yeah. The state. So the case to repeal the ACA has been going through the courts for a while now, at least a couple years. And um, Texas, they declared it unconstitutional. So it's gone up to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court announced they were going to accept it. Oral arguments are in November. They scheduled them for the week after the election, literally one week after the election. And we'll we'll know by March or so if the Affordable Care Act is going to go away, which that's about, I think, 20 million people have insurance through that. That's if you're 26 or under and you're under So the ACA is not perfect, but it did protect, for the first time in American history, people with pre-existing conditions. You could not be discriminated against because you had a pre-existing condition. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's a pretty, like, conservative policy, but if you, I mean, a lot of, most people have heard about Obamacare and heard the strong dissent and heard the pro, and I mean, it, it's a controversial thing, but it was a very incremental policy. It was a very large policy, a very comprehensive, I mean, it's a landmark piece of legislation, but it's a um, incremental piece of legislation, for sure. So, but it's still a lot of people would be put in a really bad position if it was just taken away without any kind of protections. Yeah, without any protections. So the current nominee is Say your name so people know. Amy Coney Barrett. Hard to say it fast. It's Amy Coney hard. Barrett. Yeah, I had Amy Coney any Amy Amy Coney Oh god. Amy Coney Barrett. That's Tongue why I twister. Think about it. Yeah. Tongue twister. Um she has ruled in the past and and had commentary and things that lead people to believe that she will vote she will declare the ACA unconstitutional and so we're looking at that happening I mean really that's honestly what's at stake in this election is that millions of people will be without access to health care we'll go back in time and already like our uninsured rates are up so much from especially the during pandemic. the pandemic because yeah. guess what unemployment shouldn't be tr- tr- <laughs> unemployment employment should not be tethered to health insurance period and yeah. statement and also um income to that extent to where like even if you're buying a private market plan it's incredibly expensive so you're just out so much money if you're not making any money even as a is a independent contractor you're oh, right because you're, you're paying out of driver, pocket you're a right, musician, right right you're right everything. and like, this is for a lot of the the gig economy jobs yeah and if you're not um if you're not making any income then what's the first thing that's going to go 
that extra $700 you're paying in yeah. your premium yeah. for your health insurance. Yeah. Like you'll just say, I'll pay if I go to the doctor. Like, so a lot of people are becoming uninsured and that's only going to get worse with the ACA. So right now to me, what's at stake is pre-existing condition protections. And the fact that Trump is like still putting out, he just put out an executive order that said, I'm going to protect everyone with pre-existing condition, like pre-existing condition. So he's posturing that he's doing that because it's, because it's you're like, what is that? It has no legal enforcement at all. Like, And I will tell you as someone who is running phone banks into key Senate states that when you say, listen, your Senator Lindsey Graham will vote for a Supreme Court justice that will overturn protections for pre-existing conditions. It is the best selling point. And that's why the Republicans, like in all of these Senate states, like they're pretending to say, I mean, they are literally sending out mailers that say that they're going to protect people with pre-existing conditions. And they're not. Yeah. That's like Josh Hawley, the the guy who won over Claire McCaskill in 2018, Missouri. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the AG, I think. Um, And he consistently said over and over and over again, pre-existing conditions. But he was literally the AG that chose that that filed a lawsuit yes right who chose to join the lawsuit so he was in like as himself in his position party to the lawsuit ending the aca only like 19 people are in the entire country so and they know because it's a losing it's a losing battle and it's like even at the state ledge level especially with these republicans like in tennessee we have a republican super majority in the house and the senate they're running mailers on democratic policy positions because guess what they're popular yeah. Yeah. So I just think like there is there is a way to be really myopic about the Supreme Court. In what way? And say it's Roe versus, you know, it's Roe v. Wade and that's the decision I'm making it on. But I really don't think that that is defensible Why? or even like I don't think it's defensible for people to say that anymore because there's so many other issues that matter and if that's the only issue that matters to you Um, then you're that's almost like the most privileged position that you can be in or like ideological to the point where you're actively harming other people like if you're like I'm going to keep a white supremacist in office because he's going to appoint some justice who's going to strike down one law it's like don't you don't get an abortion how about you think about policies or advocate for policies that but prevent that's, abortions? But that's, but it's that's, not about preventing abortion. But that's the problem with Trump politics. It's me too. Po- it's uh, me too. It's me politics. It's entitlement. Yeah. Like all of these people, like they only think about themselves. Yeah, it has to be only about you. But even then, that's not about you because no government official is coming in your house telling you you have to get an abortion. Like that's not that's not about you. What someone else does with their body is not about you. Right. If you're so offended by it, do then don't get one. To, don't get one and do things to reduce them. Like access, that's access to proper sex education in school. So don't advocate for abstinence only education and advocate for better access to birth control. And guess what? The ACA does improve access to birth control. So excellent point, Anna. Don't try to attack the ACA. Like, I mean, to me, it's like, that that is at this point indefensible as a reason to support republican legislators and the president it just falls apart when you actually break down what it means if if there are other ways to accomplish that goal first of all and second of all there should be other things that are like complete red flags to you (laughs) yeah yeah like white supremacy just one among many 
Um, but the utter incompetence and also like the anti, if you are pro-democracy, like there's, I just don't understand. Like, I know I'm going on a tangent not, because it's like, point. because it's, you it's me politics. Like it's literally like, I want, and, and you see, and this is another, you know, misnomer about people who support Trump. It's not your poor working class wife. And I will say this as like someone who lives in, you know, close to Dickerson in East Nashville, all of my neighbor, most of my neighbors besides the racist dentist and his nurse wife, they're all white working class and they like, they hate Trump, right? It's like the, the small business owner that owns a pool company and like drives a, you know, a Ferrari that he's leasing. They literally, they see themselves in Trump. It is not white working class people. White working class people don't vote and they don't. Yeah. If you think about who actually votes and where they were voting in 2016, if that's what you want to base it off of, because it's like, honestly, men, it's like white men who try to evade taxes. Yeah. Like that's, they see and themselves they in Trump. And the fact that they, I think it's like so telling that they have, he hasn't lost support among that group because they have dug in their heels. Right. And right. it is like such a defensive thing. Like you cannot, at this point in time, it's no longer okay for you to just say, this is what I believe and I'm right without evidence, without backing it up and without, without consequence. Like, you just can't say things anymore without consequences for them. And we've elevated voices, marginalized voices, and we've elevated voices of women, and we've elevated these voices into the space to say, you can't say that anymore, and you can't do that anymore. And it's just, it's putting them in a position of, like, I I saw this thing yesterday that said, like, Trump is a cornered rat. And it was like, that's what I feel like a lot of white men are in the position Mm. of now I'm like, you're like a cornered rat. Like, you're later in your life and are, mid, you know, mid to later in your life. I think young people that do the Trump thing are, like, they may have those beliefs, but I personally believe in, like, personal evolution and, like, that you can change a lot. And I, I think a lot of that's about environment, your parents, your school, like, and just being, like, I do believe there's radicalization, and that's different from this. I'm talking about normal, good people, family people, just the average voter, because a lot of the radicalized people, like, I'm not sure that they're super involved in electoral politics. I think it's more about the game of it mm, than it is about, like, politics. Yeah, than it is about, like, actually, you know, being a strong Republican that's always going to vote with the party or something like that. So I'm talking about the, the established people in their 40s or whatever that are, like, pro-Trump. It's starting to get where they're, like, cornered rats. Okay, but you lied about this, and you lied about this, and you lied about this, and you're just kind of looking at them, and you're like, and you want this to happen, and you want to be able to say so you this, feel like they're you know? becoming more the anomaly like they feel and I, and I will say this it does feel like they are in the minority but because they're so loud but see they have that's who's in the legislature that's right but they that's think, a good point they think that point. they're disadvantaged or that they're being attacked because the culture's changing and like the zeitgeist is kind of changing and just how people talk and how people the expectations of people they used to be on top and now you're, like, you're a fuddy-duddy, like, pale steel male. You can't just say, like, no one needs a handout. Like, you need to pull yourself up with the bootstraps. Like, younger people have a, have been through the recession. They've been to an economy that is just And there's so a lot unequal. of frustration and anger it's, that's income not, Income inequality yeah, is, like, so overwhelming to the point where you're, like, what you paid for college is not what I paid for college. <laughs> what you paid for your first apartment is not what I paid for my first apartment as a proportion of income. Right. And But you're the business owner. Like, 
and you're pointing at them. We're the younger generation. Yeah, like that's pointing good, at them yeah, and saying, like, yeah. you own the business, so you decide what I make. Right. You're the reason why I can't afford yeah. my apartment. They're finally getting called on it. And it So they're in a you're saying they're they're in a defensive posture. Yeah. Which feels good. Okay. You know what, Anna? I, I appreciate this. It makes me feel better. Okay. Because I'm always But they have the power. They just don't understand what's power happening. dynamics. Like right. The and they're not organizing. No. They're not on the ground like I am twenty hours a week running phone banks, like in the key Senate states. Yeah. Yeah. Or on Twitter or TikTok, which is where a lot of oh my God. fun steps happening. <laughs> It just irks me that there are 11-year-olds with 73 million followers on TikTok. <laughs> Tell me what I'm doing wrong. That's what our podcast And it's has. like... <laughs> Maybe we should make TikTok. <laughs> oh, my God. No, we're not doing that. Um, okay, so for those of you... Okay, let's... So the SCOTUS piece, bottom line is that they will... Absolutely, the SCOTUS nominee will be... Voted into voted into her position. Mm-hmm. So at this point, one, um, and you were talking about this earlier, like what's the intersection between the election and the SCOTUS fight, I think, for folks that are listening? Yeah, so, she, I mean, it's going to be conservative court probably for a very long time. She's only 48, so we'll see. And even if... Biden wins. So there's some things, particularly with the ACA is one, one thing that I, well, actually, I mean, the Senate really matters too. So these Senate Senate fights and the presidential election really matter as to what legislation can be passed to prevent what will happen from the Supreme Court. I do think there's some good signs about some comments about her not wanting to be super activisty, but they all kind of say that. But at that. the same time, with her and Brett Kavanaugh on the court, their whole, sole purpose is to overturn Roe versus Wade. Right. There are Abortion some, is, like, the single issue. Right. So, I mean, if anything was going to change radically, like, that's going to be it, number one. I think if if she's on, six of the nine will be Catholic. I'm almost positive. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I think six of we'll the double nine. We'll double-check, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so two-thirds will be Catholic, which, you know, obviously lends itself to a certain position. Not that every Catholic believes the same way, but um, so, yeah, Roe v. Wade is most likely to be gone. And so it'll just be the Congress, if they have the votes, deciding, which Biden, didn't he say something about not wanting to get rid of the filibuster? A lot of people are advocating for to get rid of oh, the filibuster. These are my two, these are my two things. Well, I so the two things that we can the do. Filibuster is like, it's a whole, racist, right? Yeah, it's a yeah. whole thing. It's a whole vibe. And I will, we can do a whole episode on the filibuster, which my organization would love to, for that to happen. <laughs> they want it to be their issue. All that to say is that there are ways as Anna, so Anna's indicating that like even one, it, it's just a given that she will be voted into her position by the Senate. But on the back end, and this is why the election is so important, if, if if Biden wins, we will be able to pack the courts, maybe expand the Supreme Court so that we have judicial uh, majority, uh, and eliminate the filibuster so we can pass major major progressive legislation. Yeah, but then I think Biden has indicated that he is well, neither for the filibuster yeah, nor but for we're court working backing. on that. We're working on that. So that's something you don't Does need to worry about. Does sound a little bit better right now? Is it he's pro court packing? <laughs> Okay, Anna, show yourself out of I'm your sorry. closet. I'm Thank sorry. You. 
yeah, so there are things to be done if Biden is elected. If Obviously, if Trump is elected again, then we're looking at a couple other justices getting a little bit older and potentially him having another nominee, which is incredibly alarming because then it would be 7-2. Yeah. So all that to say is that please, 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 in your personal networks. And I will say the Supreme Court has held off some of the worst of the legislation, like Afton was saying, like, even if a district court, something goes through, like, the Supreme Court stopped the public charge rule. No, no, no. It was a district court. A district court stopped that. A district court stopped the work requirements. A district court... Oh, a district court stopped the the education vouchers. Like, but then if, if a district court with all these new Trump nominees get something through, then it goes to the Supreme Court. Right. And that's... But full circle back to how we fight advocacy battles is that if we have if it's a 7-2 on the Supreme Court and and Trump and McConnell have packed the courts like we, we're not gonna be able to fight these things so all that to say is that especially so one is if you live outside of Tennessee um please 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 engage your personal networks and talk about what this election means and why voting is so important especially if you're in key states and then on our end, Anna and I are working on a little advocacy day for SCOTUS, uh, October 6th. Uh, we will be sure to send out some details, but Lamar Alexander, who is retiring from the Senate, which is why we have our Senate race with Marquita Bradshaw and uh, Trump acolyte, Bill Haggerty, whatever, whatever his name, his name is. is. <laughs> we do need to put pressure on Lamar Alexander because he... I think in his portfolio, he believes that he's a healthcare advocate. Uh, but however, he is retiring in Canada because he knows that like we will we will be bird dogging him for in perpetuity. Uh, but Wait, if you're really, he's really going. To you didn't know that? No. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's he's out of Tennessee, so he's from East Tennessee, and we just you know these last few weeks the hashtag is Lamar's legacy, and even though we know he's not going to do the right thing because he never does. We still need to make a show of it because he needs to be remembered in the history books as a stupid italic asterisk. (laughs) Mm, Take that, Lamar Alexander. Yeah, so please, please join us in um, just holding him to account for some of the past statements that he made. He does say he's pro pre-existing conditions. He called this lawsuit against the ACA like he said it was stupid and had no grounds, something like that. And so he's he's seems to be like pro pre-existing condition protections, pro not um, letting the next president have a have a nominee, but doesn't seem to be following through on the action part of that. So we'll just we'll just remind him um, that that's what he's supposed to be doing and then hopefully it'll stick. Anna and I are his blonde gadflies. He just doesn't know it yet. I actually have a picture with him. I met him one time. Oh yeah, Tennessee Tuesdays. Yeah, yeah. I met I him forgot. one time and it just really is a testament to that, like, not, I mean, not to be ageist at all, because I think there's a lot of people who are older that are totally competent, including Joe Biden. Please vote for him. <laughs> yeah. um, but he was very, very, very old. He's, he's, he's like 80. melting. He's he looked 80. like he was melting. He's shake. He's very, very shaky. And it's like, almost like, okay, I'm not pro term limit. I don't think, I don't really have a strong opinion on it, actually. But it kind of made me start to think, hmm. Maybe someone shouldn't be a politician for this many years, but not Joe Biden. Not Joe Biden. 
He would be the oldest, isn't he? Wouldn't he be the oldest president? Don't, don't bring it up. Okay, not bringing it up. Anyways, Laura Alexander, you're melting and you're a fallacy. Goodbye. And we're going to make sure your legacy. Well, just so many things have changed. And we just need people that are like more with the times. They can be older and more. Get on TikTok. Get on TikTok, Lamar. Like you were governor like a million years ago. Actually, Biden's on a train right now and he has a Twitch. So they're on a train and he has a Twitch and it's a, it is a very fun playlist. It's like yeah, it's he, like Taylor Swift meets you know that video where he plays Despacito. Okay, no, um, no, 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 no. And he goes, "Hold on one second. And it's like every single person, like older person in a Zoom meeting that's trying to share their screen <laughs> is him trying to play <laughs> Despacito. Okay, a large part of Anna, like I'm a, a, we yeah. spend a lot of time teaching older people technology. Like seriously, though, yeah, that's our job. That's my job. Yeah. Okay, yeah. whatever. <sighs> But I All get right. it. I'm I'm a little bit of a Luddite. So, like, I'm not – I've, I've seen different – I've seen a wide spectrum of tech ability. Anna and I are not on t- – we age. are not on TikTok, and I will absolutely not on – I don't have the time to be on TikTok. I don't need the Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, Trump, what an idiot. I did like, make a TikTok. I will admit it here. I did make I have one. an account because I love to watch pug videos. Okay, no, 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 no. I made a video. Like, I just made a video. Oh I didn't god. put it on there. Oh, my God. Can we put it on the gram? No. Oh, okay. It's me doing the WAP dance. The Cardi B WAP dance. I'll show it to you later. <laughs> my <laughs> eyes. My eyes are so large right now. No one else can see it. But um, we should make political ones. I have a friend from college I'm who not, makes political ones and they We go, can barely meet every two weeks of the podcast. But I, know, I hear I know, you. I, I hear you. Maybe if Trump wins again, we'll be dissidents and we'll be political oh my prisoners. God. And, we can and make then we'll TikTok. use TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> I want 73 million followers. I can barely I can barely hit 3,000 on Twitter. So. I don't even like anyone to make eye contact with me. So I don't know that I would want to have 73 million followers. <laughs> I'm a recluse. <laughs> okay. All right, oh gratitude. Oh, gratitude, I forgot. Oh my God, it's been a long episode. What are you grateful for? <sighs> what was I going to say? I had a lot. Are you, do you know what you're going to say? Okay. Um, I'm grateful for, I think, people in my inner circle understanding that it's less than 40 days out from the election and that I am a person that I give 110% to everything I'm doing and that the that our democracy and the salvation of our democracy means more to me right now than no offense, mom, Julianne, if you're listening, a phone call from talking to you for 40 minutes. And I just, and I'm grateful for the people that recognize and understand that. And it's the people that that are close to me that know that, you know, my, my expertise and skills right now are being utilized in the best way possible ahead of a very, very critical election. So I'm very grateful for that. And I'm grateful because tomorrow at 6 a.m., I leave uh, for a girl's trip. I'm going to a winery. My friend's working at a winery in Northwest Illinois. I'm so excited. I love I road trips. so good. I know. I love road Wait, trips. Wait, you're driving on the way there? Mm-hmm. It's only eight hours. Oh. Yeah. You sure you can go? I'm just kidding. Okay. I was just on, imagining the Dumb and Dumber. The, um, Have you seen Dumb and Dumber when he's, yeah. he's like, come on in, like, to the people on the side of the road. I'm like, Anna, get on in. What are you grateful oh, for? Um, I am grateful. I'm going to do something cheesy. Uh, essential workers. I guess it's not that. No, not that that's cheesy, not cheesy at all. I've just had a lot of interactions, like, 
getting my hair cut. Your sommelier. Your sommelier Kroger. My sommelier Kroger. I got my eyes checked. Apparently, they're a lot worse, and they're not going to stop until I'm in my 30s, which yeah. is a great, yeah. a great yeah. news for me. Shout out to the optometrist. For and the real. Yeah, no, really. Today, I went to Target, and my annual optometry appointment, of which my insurance covers, which usually doesn't, and I was two weeks out, and I have ran out of contacts. They gave me two free sets of contacts. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great visit, and just like you know, going to get a coffee or getting food. Like, everyone has been so pleasant. They have to wear masks all day, which is uncomfortable. Thankfully, something I don't have to do. Yeah. But, like, everyone I've interacted with has had, like, a joyous heart and, like, have been, like, super positive. And they don't need to be – I mean, they don't need to be hiding if they have negative feelings or anything. But, like, it is so good to, like, be around people because, like, I'm sure they want interaction just as much as I want interaction. And so I just feel like there's a sweetness just to, like, interactions with strangers now that are kind of strangers. You know, it's been my eye doctor for three years, but we don't see each other that much. So, like, it's good to, like, see people and just be like, I know you're making a sacrifice. I'm making a sacrifice. We're both taking a risk, but let's get the, you know, let's get on with it. Let's get, let's try to, like, make this work. And so I just instead of you know getting away from like the online commentary of like everything's horrible it's all burning to the ground like whatever like you're just in your daily life and you're like this is I great. have to get groceries I I mean I really should get an eye exam I literally can't see when I'm driving <laughs> so like I really need new glasses and it's just like that people are willing to make those sacrifices in your life to see you and to wear a mask all day like kudos out the roof and I just hope that everyone is being as pleasant as possible about like any rules that they have because it's not pleasant to enforce. I luckily haven't had to yeah, tell anyone yeah. to wear a mask. Like, but the people that have to do that every single day, like, hey, you really need to wear your mask. Hey, you really need to act like this. Hey, you really it's need to wash fun, your hands. Hey, you really know? need to like, wait in your car. Like, yeah, that doesn't feel good. The vet, like, they were so nice. Like, so it, I mean, everyone who's doing that, big, big, big shout out. Um, I'm very grateful for you. Shout out to the essential workers. Across solidarity, we are here. <sighs> all right well this has been oh my god it's been an hour and longer than that because we recorded the intro <laughs> three times okay well we will uh we will provide more information as to the advocacy campaign on october 6th if you're in tennessee please 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 reach out to lamar make his life miserable for the remaining weeks that he's in tennessee um and oh anna Folks want us to do an election show at the five spot. What do you think about it? You did this on purpose. You waited until we were on here. Okay. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to reach out. Let's get, let's involve the holler. Obviously it has to be social distance and they might not even let anyone at all. But I think if it was like a holler grits type of event at the five spot and we would be, maybe we could get our hair and makeup done. Oh my gosh. I would love that. (laughs) Okay, so we'll we'll think about it. Thanks for obviously it was y'all have been talking about it. The girls the girls have been organizing against us. Well, not against us. I'm usually like a complete just hot mess meltdown on election nights. Like no matter what, I think it'll be really fun. fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, all right. So we're in a good way. Yeah, in a good way. All right. So uh, yeah. All right, that'll be it. Um, put out your pineapples, and maybe you'll some swingers will show up. <laughs> we can only hope. <laughs> All right, talk to you later. Bye. Bye.
Thank you to our Griddles and our family at the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Be sure to check out the other podcasters in the network who are doing the Lord's work in the state of Tennessee. Find the good stuff at www.tmholler.com and be sure to subscribe and support the Holler while you're there. Follow the Holler to keep up with what's going on here in the state at the TN Holler on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And follow Grits at Grits Podcast. Keep it gritty! Bye!